0: Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, January 16th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. All right, here we are. That weekend went so fast. That was a really, really fast weekend. Maybe it's because the football playoffs have started, so those games are on. Let's see, there were, what, two games on Saturday, Sunday, yesterday, three games, Monday night. There was another game. So it makes the weekend go faster when you have these <clears throat> football games to watch. And I'm guessing a lot of people out there, a lot of you listened, watched football over the weekend. And spent your uh, weekend watching football. Of course, three-day weekend, a holiday weekend. uh Finishing up Martin Luther King Day today. Uh, hope you had a great holiday. Hope many of you had off. You know, this is that period... <laughs> From like what late November until the middle of February, where well, there's a lot of holidays, right? You have Thanksgiving and then you have Christmas and then you have New Year's and then you have Martin Luther King Day and it ends next month with what President's Day, right? And then you have this, so you have this period from late November to mid February where all these holidays and then from mid February, you have no holidays until the end of May, right? Three and a half months of no holidays until Memorial Day. So it's either feast or famine with the holidays, and we're coming basically to the end now. We have, what, President's Day next month, and that's it. And then you have to maybe work for a few months. How about that? You you may have to go to work for a few months, five days a week. I know it's tough, tough, tough. I don't even take a day off. I didn't take Christmas off. I didn't take New Year's off. I'm not taking the Martin Luther King Day off. So you can work. If I can work, you can work. If you call this work. It's definitely not work. Um, well, sometimes it can be. It can be when you have to constantly talk about these things that give you agita, right? That give me stomach acid. There's a lot of stomach acid building here. A lot of, since, since February, March of 2020, and that's three years, we're coming on three full years of a lot of agita, a lot of, a lot of, uh, acid reflux. Because it's just, it, it's, it's one thing after another. It's one thing. At, there's no, One can say there's no better feeling of being validated when you know everything you've been talking about for years has been validated as being correct and your detractors have been proven wrong. But then again, there's a part of me that when I see stories come out now, we've talked about this in the past on this show. When we see stories that tell us what we've known for years now. When you see a story like oh the vaccine doesn't stop the spread right or you see a story about oh the vaccine might cause heart problems a new study shows the vaccine might not be uh, you know if you're 65 plus now they're saying you might not want to get the latest booster it can cause heart problems another article comes out and says oh this booster really doesn't stop the spread of covid this is a and now an article comes out and says you're more likely to get covid with this latest booster if you're vaccinated and then there's another article now that comes, you know, it's one after the other of things we've known and we've been talking about for three years now. Right. So we knew the lockdowns were bad from day one. Right. We knew on March 15th, 2020, the lockdowns were bad. But if you said that on social media, you were canceled, you were censored, you were destroyed. Your reputation was destroyed right? by the Fauci mafia. Then we knew mass were shit. But if you said that in April of 2020, you were destroyed, canceled, censored, destroyed reputation by the Fauci mafia, right? And then we knew the vaccines wouldn't stop the spread, that they were shit. But if you said that in, you know, in 2020, as they were coming out, you were, you were canceled, destroyed the Fauci mafia, destroyed your reputation. Now all that stuff we know is true. And now they're writing articles about this stuff, right? What else did we say in 2020? Basically from day one. When they were reporting deaths, many of us said they're overcounting them. Remember the with COVID, of COVID thing? And if you said that, God forbid if you said that in uh in 2020, you were totally canceled, destroyed, eliminated. The Fauci Mafia destroyed your reputation. In fact, Fauci himself came out on TV several times and said any of us, any of us that was saying that even one death that was reported is not a real COVID death were well, conspiracy theorists nuts. Now, of course, article comes out last Friday. It says, no, oh, we've overcounted. Leanna Wen, remember, she was a big masker. She was a big branch, Covidian. And then she realized her kids didn't like wearing masks in schools, and she changed. Uh, that's all it took, really. And now she's saying, oh, we I think they overcounted. They overcounted. They overcounted the the COVID deaths. They were doing with COVID as opposed to of COVID. Now, the article is written, though, Not in the regard of saying those people that were saying it since day one were right. But now we've discovered this. Now we've discovered this thing that no one of legitimacy ever spoke about before. And now we're making it legitimate because we're legitimate people. I want to fucking strangle them. You see, it validates we were right all along. But I want to strangle them because the article is not written like, oh, Mike Cachapoli and all those other people that were saying this from March 2020 ended up being right, we now have evidence they were right, they know it's like, oh, we've discovered this now. Aren't we geniuses, and aren't we being transparent by talking about it in January of fucking 2023? I want to fucking strangle them. You see? So it doesn't really give me a sense of relief when when you want to strangle someone. That doesn't give you a sense of relief. It makes me more angry. Because those of us that said this, and not just Micah Choply, as I talk about myself in a third person, like a crazy person, not just me, but Donald Trump does it all the time, right? He says, Trump, Trump, but other people, real doctors like, like, like Jay Bhattacharya, like, like Marty McCary, like Vinay Prasad, like others, like Malone, like McCullough, real doctors, real doctors on social media, not fake doctors. We talked about all those fake doctors they found that were pushing COVID hysteria, but real doctors who said these things, that are now common knowledge, that are being written about in the legacy media and talked about in the legacy media, those people were totally destroyed by the Fauci mafia. Totally destroyed. Now, Fauci didn't come out and say, I disagree that those deaths are not real COVID deaths. They're all from COVID. I disagree with that. He he said we were all conspiracy theory nuts. He didn't say, well, we don't have enough evidence yet. It was told bullshit, of course. Of course, there was plenty of evidence to show they were overcounting them. But he didn't say we don't have enough evidence yet. Maybe a year from now we'll have evidence. We should uh, then we'll check it out again. He never said that. He said definitively, like Fauci always says in the moment definitively, and then either changes his mind or is proven wrong. And he's called the genius who evolves A real doctor, if they're not sure, they tell you. They say it could be one of 17 things. I don't know what it is. got to figure it out. That's what a real doctor does. A real doctor doesn't say, oh, I know it's this and then put you in peril because they end up fucking being wrong. But Fauci definitively said in 2020 that any of us, doctors or not doctors, that were saying that the COVID deaths were being overcounted that they were doing with COVID, not in other words, you get in a car accident, your bones are crushed, your lungs are crushed, and they fucking stick a thing up your nose for some fucking strange reason, and you test COVID positive, it goes down as a COVID hospitalization or death. We were saying that was happening in like the millions, not like one here and one there, in the fucking millions. We were saying that. And Fauci said, no, no, not one. He said not one. He said every single death that's officially reported as COVID is a COVID death. And if you say otherwise, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. That's what that old fucking shriveled up nut fucking fuckhead said. Sorry for the language. But like I said, it gets me totally angry. Incredibly angry. And because I'm not on terrestrial radio, I can curse all I want. You know, they can curse on cable too, by the way. Like Fox, CNN, they can curse. For some reason, though, we can't, we can lie, not Fox, but CNN, we can lie all we want, but we can't curse. Lying, cool, cursing, whoa, that steps over the, steps over the line there. But anyway, I digress. So once again, this is not like vindication for me. All the stuff that's coming out that shows we were all right. We were all right from day one. For three years, we have been totally right. It makes me angrier because of all the reputations that were destroyed by the White House, by Biden, by Fauci, by Burks, Redfield, Walensky, the WHO, the CDC. I shouldn't just limit this to Fauci, even though when I see his face, I want to punch his dumb nose down his dumb, stupid old throat. It's it's, It's a vast, it's a wide net. It's a wide net. And of course, there's more. Now I'm very angry at, I got to say her name right. Cause if you don't say her last name right, you can get in trouble. Jeanette Nashaswat. You know what I mean? If you say that name wrong, I believe it's Jeanette Nashaswat, a Fox, the Fox News, one of the doctors on Fox News, right? It's her and Siegel and what's her name there, the other doctor, but she's on a lot <clears throat> and she's been really good during COVID, but she said something yesterday, which really annoyed me. And, of course, I immediately went on Twitter and started tweeting about it. She said that she was on with Pete Hegseth talking about this discovery of the overcounting of deaths. And, uh, of course, instead of saying many of us have been talking about this from day one, uh, Pete Hegseth asked her, was this a intentional thing? And she says, no, I think it was a clerical mistake. I think it was not being organized clerically. Now, of course, that's total absolute horseshit. It was not a clerical error. You see, that's how they want to excuse things. Maybe she's got a few friends who she doesn't want destroyed or jailed. I get it. But I'm sorry. These people need to be jailed. And you cannot – you excuse the punishment when you say they didn't know better. You excuse the idea that it was intentional when we know it was intentional. Because if Micah Chopley knew they were overcounting, had these fucking professionals, doctors, scientists not know it. That's the bullshit. If doctors like Jay Bhattacharya knew it, why didn't the official numbers counters know it? They did know it. It wasn't a clerical mistake. And there were doctors like Bhattacharya who were saying over and over again for years, count it right, count it right, go back and check. They did it purposely to pump up the numbers, to pump up the fear, to pump up the vaccine sales so their fucking fat cat bitches in Big Pharma could make more money. Their friends in Big Pharma could get fatter fucking paychecks. That's why they did it, and that's why they need to go to jail. No, of this excuse of, oh, it was a mistake, it was a clerical error. No, it's not a clerical, you don't have a three-year-long clerical error when there are people, real people and doctors, telling you during those three years you're making an error, go fucking check it, and they never do. In fact, they censor you and they destroy you, and the Fauci Mafia destroys your reputation on Twitter for three fucking years. So I don't want to hear this bullshit that it's a clerical error. It's not a fucking clerical error. They did it on purpose and they need to go to jail. Period. Boy, I've come out of the weekend firing here, have I? Oof. I have to stop drinking these. Let me give myself a thumbs up. Um, I have to stop drinking these energy drinks before going on. i got ask Dr. Nashaswat if it's good to drink an energy drink at 11 p.m. before you go on the air. She'll probably say no. I, look, and I like her. But I think what she said was bullshit. I'm, I'm saying she's not one of them. That's what made me upset about it. She's not one of those people who is like destroying people's reputations for saying that. But to say it was a clerical error is total horseshit. shit. It was on purpose. They killed people on purpose. They hurt people on purpose. They destroyed society on purpose for money and power. They need to go to jail. Speaking of going to jail, no, not me, not yet. Um, the new Twitter files come out today by Lee Fang, San Francisco boy, Lee Fang. Uh, I think he's, a, isn't he San Francisco? Yes, he's San Francisco. Okay. Um, but his Substack is a 202 number. Oh, I guess that, who knows? But yeah, I know he's a San Francisco based reporter. Um, and he did the new Twitter file dump earlier today. In this Twitter file dump, they're getting, I think they're getting actually more, they're getting worse and worse. Um, has to do with BioNTech and the German government pressuring Twitter to censor all critics calling for global access to COVID-19 vaccines. And other vaccine, other, let's put it this way, anything, any comment that would possibly hurt their profits. That's what it comes down to. Any comments on Twitter that would hurt the rollout of their vaccine and their profits, they censored. They went, they put pressure on Twitter to censor them, to cancel them, to end their accounts, because they didn't want anything getting in the way of their profits. Anything getting in the way of their profits. So Li Fang put up his Twitter files and is basically. You can also go to the Intercept uh, of Monday, January sixteenth, and he writes about it, which is. I always recommend that. I think like Taibbi is on Substack, and uh, Lee Fang has a Substack, but he's on the Intercept. I always, I always recommend going there because they really put it in into really simple, blunt terms. If you go to Twitter and you read the Twitter files, you know it's one, two, three, four, five. You lose track of the thread. There are comments, and then the thread goes away, and you got to go back to it again. You know, so I always recommend going to these people's Substacks or Intercept for Lee and reading. He puts it all in a very easily readable form. But you know what? That's why I'm here. You don't have to do that. I'll do it for you. That's my "quote unquote" job, right? I'll do it for you. Once again, this is all about Big Pharma greed. This is all about Big Pharma greed. And by the way, uh, I'll get into this a little bit more after I read this story, but. I had tweeted all this to uh, the great Bernie Sanders, and I asked him where the fuck he is. Where where, where are you, Bernie? Where are you, Bernie? You know, Bernie, I I, I was part of your twenty sixteen and twenty twenty presidential campaign, and eighty five to ninety percent of what you said in your speeches was how awful Big Pharma was, how 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 uh, how greedy they were, how dangerous they were, how the CEOs were fat cat, dangerous, greedy f- bastards. Who would make 50, 60 million dollars a year would have these huge golden parachutes of a hundred million dollars. They make billions of dollars on drugs, which can be sold a lot cheaper. Now, by the way, they want to raise the price of the vaccine. Have you seen that? So finally, lefty Robert Reich of Berkeley finally comes out, finally, after three years. This is enough. This was a bridge too far for Robert Reich. You find, as, as, uh, as Bush Limbaugh, you say, Robert Reich, huh? He comes out and he says, "Oh, this is this is showing you big pharma greed." No shit, Bob. Where you been for three years, Bobby? Where you went? Where you been for three years, Bobby, baby? But nothing. They want to raise the price of the vaccine. Now, I know. Once again, people are saying, "But I thought it's free." No, you see, they wouldn't make eighty-five billion dollars in profit. It was free. Somebody pays for it, and they're raising the price to like ridiculous a ridiculous amount, like one hundred and fifty dollars a pop, a jab. When I think it would it cost like three dollars to produce. So, but where I asked Bernie, "Where are you, Bernie? Where are you?" All I heard as I stood there and watched you talk, I went to several rallies in person and I watched you talk over and over again about Big Pharma greed, about how greedy Big Pharma is. And yet, for three fucking years, not a peep at a Bernie. Not a fucking peep. In fact, the opposite. He pushed the vaccines over and over again, said people were anti vaxxers and lunatics and right wingers and Trumpers if they didn't take the vax. He went right where the Democratic. The establishment goes right to Big Pharma's fucking asshole. He didn't say one negative thing about Big Pharma for three years. And now, Harry, he, where is he now with these Twitter files coming out showing Big Pharma tried to censor people? Stomp on the First Amendment. Where is he, Bernie? Bernie, where are you, baby? Where are you, baby? Well, you're a fucking fake. You're a phony. You're a fraud. That's where you are. All that talk in 2016 and 2020 was just to get fucking humps like me to give you fucking money. Which I did. And for it, I, I self proclaim myself a fucking mook. A fucking hump. If I've ever given you one fucking cent. Let alone hundreds of dollars. Which I could use now, by the way. Let me read this article. Believe it or not, it'll probably calm me down. This is from Lee Fang today in The Intercept. COVID-19 drug makers pressured Twitter. To censor activists pushing for generic vaccine. The social media pressure campaign was just a part of the pharmaceutical industry's successful lobbying blitz to retain patents and make record profits. So you go back to mid-December of 2020, just as the rollout of the vaccine was happening. Nina Morshouser, Is that the name? You... No, um, Nina Morschhauser. Nina Morschhauser, a lobbyist. Morschhauser! A lobbyist for Twitter in Europe emailed colleagues with a dire warning. The drug maker BioNTech, along with the German government, had uh, contacted her with news of an imminent campaign targeting the pharmaceutical companies developing the COVID-19 vaccine, she wrote. The authorities are warning about serious consequences of the action, i.e. posting a flood of comments that may violate terms of service, as well as a takeover of user accounts are to be expected, wrote Morschhauser. Especially the personal accounts of the management of the vaccine manufacturers are said to be targeted. Accordingly, fake accounts could also be set up. The campaign they were concerned about was the launch of an international push to force the drug industry to share the intellectual property and patents associated with coronavirus vaccine development. Making the patents available in turn would allow countries across the world to swiftly manufacture generic vaccines and other low cost therapeutics to deal with the ongoing pandemic. Morschhauser, while alerting several site integrity and safety teams at Twitter, Foden an email from BioNTech spokesperson Jasmina Alatovic, who asked Twitter to hide activist tweets targeting her company's account over a period of two days. Morschhauser flagged the corporate accounts of Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, and AstraZeneca of her colleagues to monitor and shield from activists. Morschhauser also asked colleagues to monitor the hashtags people's vaccine and join CTAP, a reference to the World Health Organization's COVID 19. Technology Access Pool, a program promoted by developing countries to accelerate the development of vaccines through the equitable sharing of research and manufacturing capacity. She noted that the group Global Justice Now was spearheading the action with an online sign-up form. It is not clear to what extent Twitter took any actions on bio and text requests. In response to Morschhaus's inquiry, several Twitter officials chimed in debating what action could or could not be taken. Sue Fern Teo, A member of the company's safety team noted that a quick scan of the activist campaign showed nothing that violated the company's terms of service and asked for more examples to get a better sense of the content that may violate our policies. But it shows the extent to which pharmaceutical giants engaged in a global lobbying blitz to ensure corporate dominance over the medical products that became central to combating the pandemic. Ultimately, the campaign to share COVID vaccine recipes around the world failed. The Intercept assessed Twitter's emails after, accessed Twitter's emails after the company's billionaire owner, Elon Musk, granted access to several reporters in December. This is the second story I have reported through access to these files. The first centered on the Pentagon's network of fake Twitter accounts used to spread U.S. narratives in the Middle East. In reporting the story with the last, as with the last, Twitter did not provide unfettered access. company information rather they allowed me to make requests without restriction that would then fulfilled on my behalf by an attorney meaning that the search results may not have been exhaustive i did not agree to any conditions governing the use of the documents and i did not and i and i made efforts to authenticate and contextualize the documents through further reporting the redactions and the embedded documents in this story were done by the intercept to protect privacy not to protect twitter Twitter and the German Federal Office for Information Security, the cybersecurity agency that Morshauser said contacted Twitter on behalf of BioNTech, did not respond to a request for comment. BioNTech's Altovic, in response to a request for comment, stressed that the firm takes its societal responsibility seriously as investigating in solutions to improve the health of people regarding the regalster. Have you ever heard of such fucking mealy mouth shit that comes from these people? When do you go to school? What do you learn how to talk in such a mealy mouth way? In November, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism published a lengthy report showing that pharmaceutical companies went to great lengths to stifle efforts to share pandemic-related patents and IP, including threats to the leadership of Belgium, Colombia, and Indonesia. The Intercept has also detailed the domestic lobbying push to block support for a special World Trade Organization waiver necessary for the rapid creation of generic pandemic medicine. German media has similarly reported on the aggressive effort by BioNTech to build support from the German government in opposing the waiver at the WTO. Now, in May of 21, the Biden administration reversed its earlier position and that of the Trump administration voiced support for the WTO waiver, making the U.S. one of the largest wealthy countries to support the idea. Backed by a coalition led by India and South Africa, but infighting at the internal trade body, along with staunch opposition from other wealthy countries, prevented any effective progress on the issue. The largely successful assault against the creation of generic vaccines resulted in an unprecedented explosion in profit for a few select biopharmaceutical drug interests. Pfizer and BioNTech generate a staggering $37 billion in revenue, $37 billion with a B, folks, from its shared mRNA vaccine. In 2021 alone, that's just one year, making it one of the most lucrative drug products of all time. Moderna, which made $17.7 from vaccine sales in 2020, and recently announced its plan to hike the price, this is what I was talking about, of its COVID shot by about 400%. The high cost of vaccines and concentrated ownership and supplies in 2021 were hoarded in the European Union, the UK, the US, Canada, Japan, and other wealthy countries, while much of the developing world was forced to wait for excess vaccines the following year. For more than two years, a global movement has been speaking out against pharmaceutical greed and demanding that everyone, everywhere, has the tools to combat pandemics, said Miaza Suum, a campaigner for the People's Vaccine Alliance. Whatever nasty tricks companies and governments pull, she added, we cannot and will not be silenced. Nick Dearden, director of Global Justice Now, noted that at the time of BioNTech censorship request, much of the world was under various lockdown orders, making digital forms of protest all the more vital for influencing public policy. To try and stifle dissent, digital dissent during a pandemic, when tweets and emails, some of the only forms of protests available to those locked in their homes is deeply sinister, he said. So, yeah, what they did basically is they made going out and, and, and protesting illegal, right? Unless you were looting and robbing, if, unless you were of a certain race and looting and robbing businesses in the summer of 2020, if you have a certain color. Uh, a certain shade and you were doing that in the summer of 2020 that was fine that was remember they said that they said oh covid can't be spread by these people but they would let everyone else they wouldn't let them remember the, remember when the Sturgis they wanted to do a bike rally they said it was a super spreader event if you wanted to go to a game they said you couldn't they had to have cardboard cutouts because it was a super spreader event well they said you really couldn't they said you know they don't want people protesting they don't want people out there because they were spreading and killing everyone if they, were to, if they were to protest in public. So the only thing you could do was protest online, and they were then also censoring that. The BioNTech request was not the only channel through which vaccine makers sought to shape content moderation actions on Twitter. Stronger, a campaign run by Public Good Projects, a public health nonprofit specializing in large scale media monitoring programs, regularly communicated with Twitter on regulating content related to the pandemic. The firm worked closely with the San Francisco social media giant, helped develop bots to censor vaccine misinformation and at times sent direct requests to Twitter with lists of accounts to censor and verify. Internal Twitter emails show regular correspondence between an account manager at Public Good Projects and various Twitter officials, including Todd O. Boyle, lobbyist with a company who served as a point of contact with the Biden administration, The content moderation request was sent throughout 2021 and also through early 2022. The entire campaign, newly available tax documents and other disclosures show, was entirely funded by the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, a vaccine industry lobbying group. Bio, which is financed by companies such as Moderna and Pfizer, provided Stronger with $1.275 in funding for the efforts, which included tools for the public to flag content on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for moderation. Many of the tweets flagged by Stronger contain absolute falsehoods, including claims that vaccines contain microchips and were designed to intentionally kill people, but others hinge on a gray area of vaccine policy to which there is reasonable debate, such as a request to label a takedown critical, content critical of vaccine passports and government mandates to require vaccination. One tweet flagged by the bio-backed moder- moderation effort read, if a vaccinated person and an unvaccinated person have roughly the same capacity to carry, shed, and transmit the virus, particularly in his Delta form, what difference does implementing a vaccine passport actually make to the spread of the virus? Public health experts and civil libertarians strongly debated the constitutionality of such passports an idea that was eventually discarded by U.S. policymakers. Joe Smizer, the chief executive of Public Good Projects in charge of the Stronger campaign, said his organization's work was a good faith effort to battle disinformation. Bio contributed money and said, you guys are planning on running a pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine communication effort and we'll give you a half million dollars per year. No questions asked, said Smizer. <clears throat> Many pharmaceutical lobby groups made exaggerated claims about the danger of sharing vaccine technology. Pharma, look at all these different groups. This is pH, lower, lowercase pH. Capital RMA, Pharma, another drug industry lobby group, falsely claimed on Twitter that any effort to allow the creation of a generic COVID vaccine would result in placing all 4.4 million support jobs supported by the entire American drug industry at risk. Oh, my God. I asked Smizer whether this group, whether his group ever flagged any content distributed by the pharmaceutical lobby as misinformation. Smizer agreed that policy debate was important. And if misinformation was spread by pharmaceutical companies, any global citizen should be aware of it but that his organization never flagged or focused on any drug industry content. I understand why someone would be skeptical, because as a researcher, it matters where your money comes from, Smyra said. But he argued, my job is, how do people figure out where to go to get vaccinated? And how do I encourage them to get the vaccine? That was it. Now, in, in a December 2020 email thread further discussing how to monitor BioNTech and respond to the vaccine equity campaign engaging in spammy behavior, potentially in violation of the social media company's policies, Holger Kirsting, a Twitter spokesperson in Germany, offered several links to tweets in potential violation of the policy. Two of the tweets from an account owned by Terry Bro, a retired bricklayer in a small town outside of Liverpool. The messages called on the chief executives of Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca to share vaccine technology with poor countries. Reached for comment, Bro reacted with surprise that his messages were being monitored for possible fake content. I'm actually 74 and still living, said Bro with a chuckle. I was a bricklayer all my life and just like my dad. I'm no Che Guevara, but I've been an activist, a trade unionist, and a socialist. And All I did was sign a tweet. I wish I could have done more, really. Um, Let me see there's more of this here. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. What, I, what you get from a lot of this is basically the – I mean to try – as, as, as Lee Fang says, to try and stifle digital dissent during a pandemic. Like I said before, when tweets and emails are some of the only forms of protests to those locked in their homes is deeply sinister. So they locked you in your homes. They didn't let you go out and protest. And so you tried to protest online, right? Like many of us, Twitter, Facebook, make YouTube videos, and they censored that stuff as well. So you had no way to get any kind of real information out there, any kind of information that went against the, the official narrative. And so here we're seeing basically the drug companies putting a monopoly on the vaccine, right? Not letting there be a generic vaccine that could be sold cheaper to, to other countries, to, to, uh, to poorer countries. Um, and it's, it's – uh, so these, a lot of these – in this case, remember, a lot of these activists – we pushing for a generic vaccine. They weren't really pushing, especially in the early, let's put it this way, in the early days, when they were being told, lied to, that these vaccines stopped the spread, they were simply just pushing for a generic vaccine. They weren't pushing for there to be no vaccines. They weren't being anti-vaxxers. They were just simply saying, let there be a generic vaccine, which is cheaper, which smaller, less fortunate countries can get. And they even censored that. This proves more than anything else that all they care about is their profits. Simply, all they care about is their record profits. That's all they have ever cared about. And this is basically just in line with what we've seen from all these Twitter files so far. Now that we're getting into the COVID stuff, right? We're getting into censoring people who went against the official narrative. It could be top regarded doctors like Peter McCullough, one of the top regarded cardiologists in this country, censored and deleted. Now, once again, this goes back to what I've said a million times about Twitter and their ridiculous asinine terms of service stuff. The the original idea behind terms of service would be things like child pornography, right? You know, uh, threats to people, direct violent threats to people, organizing, organizing violence against someone or a group—that kind of stuff. Obvious, once again, uncommon sense stuff, right? This is all we know. This shouldn't be allowed, and you can censor it. What happened, though? That became a slippery slope into—not even a slippery slope, like an avalanche into this kind of stuff, where there were these companies, multi-billion-dollar companies that felt. They can put the arm on Twitter to censor what they didn't like. Why did they feel they even had the right to do that? Why did they feel comfortable doing that? Because Twitter let them feel comfortable doing it. Once again, right from the get-go, this none of this would have happened if the people at Twitter weren't these extreme, wacko leftists with a political agenda. You see, that's what made them actually... Deep down, want this to happen. They wanted this to happen. And their Trump derangement syndrome allowed this to happen on so many fronts. COVID, right? Hunter Biden. Whatever it may have been. That took over. Trump derangement syndrome took over and infested their brains. And this is what happened. From day one, they should have simply said, no, we're not allowing any kind of censorship requests from anyone. Be it the FBI, the CIA, the government. Big Pharma, multi-million dollar corporate. No, no. You go and you get a judge's order. Just like you would have to go to get a judge's order to go into Brian Koberger's parents' house. You go and get a, a order if you want something released. If you want some information released. Otherwise, if a judge doesn't say we have to do something, we're not doing it. You have no access here. Okay. Your influence is no good here. That's what they should have said from day one, and none of this would have happened. But they let these people in. And their Trump derangement syndrome combined with their extreme leftist agenda, combined with the fact that it made them feel powerful to censor people, powerful to have friends in places like Big Pharma and the CIA and Elvis, whatever the fuck his name is, Chang at the FBI in San Francisco and those ridiculous 80 FBI officers in San Francisco whose whole job it was to censor citizens. It felt, they felt important. You feel important when you have quote unquote important friends that rely on you. So all this happened. I'm not going to go too much into the psychology of it because I think they're all assholes and they should all be prosecuted and go to jail for these kinds of things, for these these obvious, obvious constitutional violations. They're obvious First Amendment violations. Obviously, people were hurt and died from these things. So they should actually be, once again, punishment is the utmost importance. And when you say something like Dr. Nashuat that this whole idea of overcounting COVID deaths was just a clerical error, just human error, a, a legitimate mistake in organization. You're letting these people off the hook. And that's a no-go with me, baby. Okay, That's a no-go with me. We're not letting these people off the hook. We're not letting them off the hook. What they did was illegal and it was intentional. You know, a lot of laws doesn't have to be intention. You break a law. Doesn't matter. Ignorance of the law is no reason to break it. No excuse to break it. Otherwise, you could break any law. You could say, well, I don't know you can't go to red lights. When did that, when did that start? I didn't know you can't dr- drive drunk. When did that happen? You can always claim fucking ignorance. There's no excuse. But these people weren't even just ignorant. They were intentional in what they were doing. They were intentional in what they were doing. They hurt people. They killed people intentionally for power, for money, through a psychological illness known as you know Trump derangement syndrome, this cult mentality, this groupthink, whatever you want to call it. And then we're seeing that repeated over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. And I think we'll see a lot more of it. Uh, Let me go to the first call of the week. And it's Bill. Hey,
1: Mike, can you hear me okay? Yeah, of course. Well, I put a couple things in the live chat. The first thing, the bivalent vaccine, the CDC has just issued an alert on the bivalent vaccine.
0: Regarding potential stroke,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they say they need to study it more. Have you heard about this? Which one is this? There's this more and more now. Is this the one with the stroke in the in the 65 plus category Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the studies, that's, that, that's, I... The la- that's the latest uh, side effect we're mm-hmm. hearing about, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Of course, when you consider it now, what are we talking about? A, a variant that has is. What? What? I mean, what's the potential death rate of this variant? It's isn't it down to like a cold level or something? I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is bizarre that they would. Let's even have to do a, a meta analysis or a study of a long term on the age cohorts and risk analysis. It's like, how about just giving people like some healthy food and. You know, vitamin C, vitamin D3, you know, these people in the senior care facilities, uh, you know, zinc, you know, other things we know build the immune system. And especially at this time of year, because a lot of them are inside, uh, you know, the elderly, they're not getting out. And they're the ones most vulnerable and, and just like you would do for any flu season. Do you know what I mean? This is just just nuts that there's this thing out here that can. Well, let's see now. It's alert for stroke, but they're still recommending it at this point.
0: You know, yeah. a lot of and a lot and, and a lot of other countries have not by the but a lot of the countries have now stopped it by this point, especially for certain age groups. A lot of countries yeah. not giving it to certain. A lot of companies, countries, I should say. Other countries take this stuff seriously. You know, every, every, look, every country, even in Europe, they're all greedy bastards. But I think this, we are the greediest of the greedy here. You know, so here we just say, oh, well, take it anyway. You know, once again, this is what we're seeing now. Remember, we're seeing this with these Twitter files. That any information we see now that drips out about this stuff is, is, but did you see what happened with that bill? You see what they do? Well, they said we're investigating ourselves. We're investigating ourselves, and we, if there are 24-hour thorough investigation we decided that, nah, there really isn't no a link between that and strokes. So take it anyway. Take it. Take it. Enjoy it. So this, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's all bullshit. What they do is they throw this – and Fauci, that son of a bitch, what he does is he comes out and goes, well, look, this shows that they're all – they're so transparent. Oh, that, that, that. But they do it on purpose this way. This is the game they play. They make it look like they throw you a little pea, a little pebble. Yeah and say, oh, we're being transparent and we're going to investigate this. And then 24 hours later, they come out and say, oh, nothing there, nothing to see here, continue driving. Come on, it's it's such a game, it's such a sham. It's such a sham.
1: It is, it truly is. And we know that there's, the vaccine uh, adverse events reporting system is broken. It reports a small percentage. Uh, Any numbers we're getting out is uh, totally uh, because of that, inaccurate. We really don't know as far as the reverse events. Well, what Um, you never
0: hear on legacy media, even places like Fox, you know, they have people on who say what you just said. Well, they'll say something like, oh, well, this vaccine is the most harmful vaccine ever we have on VARs. It shows 30,000 deaths. But they don't Mm -hmm. say what you and I have said and what has been written over and over again outside the legacy media, which is that VARs only, it's only, what, 2%? What do we call it? 3%?
1: Well, the original reports from Harvard Pilgrim, uh, when they, they knew a couple of decades ago there that VARS was reporting down to 1% and that the, the money was allocated through Congress to improve the system, but it doesn't benefit the, the vaccine industry to improve the system because they want to minimize their exposure of liability. People
0: will will mention on TV the 30,000 deaths report or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but they won't Mm -hmm. say that it's it's probably a hundred times worse than that. They don't say
1: that. (laughs) They
0: they don't say that. So that's the the problem. We get half truths, Bill. We get 10% truths, you know, and that's the the problem. You know, and and we don't get the, the, the total accurate reporting. Like I said, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's, we were saying this, you and I, and many of us were saying from day one that yeah. all these COVID deaths were being re- overreported. That it was yeah. with COVID, not of COVID. That people right. were going in with seven other things, but they were going in with seven mm-hmm. other comorbidities, and they stick that stupid thing up their nose, which half the time mm-hmm. is wrong anyway. And they say, right. oh, "Oh, you have COVID, and you're in that. Now you're a ho- now you're a COVID hospitalization, which is mm-hmm. good for us because we get more money now, right? The hospitals get more mm-hmm. money." And if you die, then you're being listed on your autopsy as a COVID death. We knew that was wrong. We knew those, they were being overcounted in the millions. We knew that. And now, of course, they come out with a, a study. You know, Leanna Wen comes out and says, oh, I think, I think they've been overcounting them a little bit here. I think oh, they've been yeah. overcounting them a little bit here. So it's, it's this kind of stuff that makes me incredibly angry. Yeah, incredibly angry because we never, ever get the whole truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then the, speaking of that, um, there was a, a substance that that been on the super, um natural food store shelves for two decades n-acetylcysteine that's a precursor to glutathione that helps detoxify the body and they found it to be very therapeutic in regards to covid and they actually there was a point during the you know whatever we want to call it i call it pandemic that they you couldn't buy it they pulled it from the shelves because the FDA prevented the it to be marketed for a period of time, now now you can again. So right in the worst part of COVID, they literally you couldn't buy NAC and acetylcysteine. I was like, what the heck? They knew it worked before then, and they literally removed it. You know, I was like, that this is so weird. And now then, of course, the FDA is trying to ban it permanently. I just put up a article that was in Natural News, which was dated recently, twenty twenty two, and it's, it's like, what? You know this they 've had it has been sold for for two decades or, or you know just at any health food store, and so what 's the agenda like let, let's not allow people to like take care of themselves holistically and have holistic and, you know utilize some nutraceuticals or you know what I mean by that it 's a catchphrase for just natural products you know because they can 't patent that knack and they can 't patent it and they can 't make money on it so they're not interested in, it's a sick care system, Mike. It's clearly not designed, you know, to help make people well. And uh, with the metabolic syndrome we have in this country, uh, that can that really accounts for most of the problems, health problems due to our uh, over-processed foods and GMO foods. And that's just going to keep increasing. Um and the chemicals on the foods—it's uh, chemical warfare out there on the environment and on our bodies, you know, and on the you know uh, the ecosystem. It's it's this you know un- unhealthy planet,
0: unhealthy body. Do you follow me? It's oh, again. oh, without a doubt, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. But this is not—they don't want to hear any of this because right. there's no money in any of this you're talking. About. There's no right. money in any of this. But where's mm-hmm. uh, Bill? I'm a, I'm a, I'm big pharma. I'm I'm a pharma, I'm a pharmaceutical you know mm. jackass. All right, show me how, show me how I can show me how I can make ten billion in profit from what you're saying, Bill. Yeah. Give, me, give show me, show me the profit margin, Bill. I need the profit margin, Bill. If not, I don't care what you say. What you I don't care. Mm-hmm. You, you sound crazy to me. It's like a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. I hear that all the time. Yeah, no, but they they don't care. (laughs) Just just like we see from these Twitter files, they they pretty much say up front, we only care about our profits. Anything that gets away of our profits, we're going to bulldoze. That's it. Anything that gets away of our profits, we are going to destroy. In fact, the Fauci mafia, as you and I call it, the Fauci mafia made sure people were destroyed. They made yeah. sure people were absolutely 100% destroyed. Their reputations Ooh. were destroyed. Remember when someone like um, Joe Rogan comes out and talks about Ivan Meckin? They say yeah. he's a nut that's pushing horse de wormer, right? So it's right insane. away, and that horse de wormer slogan uh, spread like wildfire through legacy media, right? Hell yeah. They sent the memo out that said, I mean, those people all have the same mind. They probably don't have to send the memo out. They'll just pick it up, you know, uh, they'll just pick it up. Organically, but they sent the. They might have sent a memo out that said, "Everyone say horse to wormer. Everyone say Joe Rogan horse to wormer. Rogan's crazy. Look at him. He's like this crazy muscle steroid guy, and he talks nonsense. And he's talking about horse to wormer. Don't listen to a nut job like that." So, yeah. so they 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 tried to destroy his reputation. Remember they were going to try to get him taken off Spotify for that? Oh, yeah, I remember. That was absolutely right? insane. But at the yeah.
1: same time, you had Uttar Pradesh, that state in India, where they declared themselves. Covid free. I remember the, the timing of it, is, you know, in relation to Rogan. But I remember that coming out. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And there are other countries around the world. I think Poland was doing very well with ivermectin. Uttar Pradesh, and I'm sure there are others that you know we weren't made aware of. Yeah. Do you follow me? Yeah. Um, but uh, here we are. And oh, and of course, not recently on uh, Dark Horse, uh, you you have them put up a YouTube recently uh, just this last week on the, on the mechanisms of ivermectin and how it actually works, uh, you know, to uh, in all stages of COVID. Of course it's three years beyond, which when Dr. Peter McCullough was using it originally. Right. And, um, and uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, who was the doctor for Joe Rogan. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just real sad. It's, it's, fortunately, you know, we're trying to get the message out, and still, and uh, whatever they come out with next—zinc and zinc ionophores—and the things that are generally speaking uh, effective against most viruses will be very helpful. Do you follow me? Um, yeah. That won't yeah. change. And so, anyway, I see Daniel waiting to talk. Hey, so- Bill, you oh, built a new yeah. photo.
0: Is that a new photo of you? Is that a new? Photo? Well,
1: what? Yeah. What happened was I was having some trouble with the app, and so. uh, I, I tried a different uh, username and I had an old photo. I put it up. So uh, yeah, well, that's one of my serious face when I was fighting in the courts. And uh, I like that photo. It's a good off. photo.
0: I like it. You that's like cool. that one? Yeah, actually, I think it's a good <laughs> photo. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Leave, leave Leave that one up. Leave the us
1: you know, you, you, we joke. You say how you know I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm crazy. No, I actually got officially dubbed by the state for three years running as basically delusional bipolar with grandiosity, complex, and incompetent oh. to assist my public
0: defender. Officially, yeah. I think, didn't you? I think you just described Fauci. You just literally just described Tony Fauci. Yeah. <laughs> didn't so,
1: like where I was I was going after the Catholic Church the uh, corrupt law firms uh, let's see what else was I did the hotel credit card banking industry oh, just, how
0: grandiose of you to go after to go after bad people bill that's very, very <laughs> we don't do that we don't do that in this country that's grandiose <laughs> In this country. You don't do things. Of like course.
1: That. Of course. I'm just big fat Bill. Who am I to after <laughs> yeah, all those exactly. big people? You know? <laughs> yeah, bill, you know. bill,
0: Bill, let me go to Daniel. Thanks for the call. I yeah. appreciate it. Great, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> okay. All right, let's see. Hey Daniel. Daniel, how was your weekend?
2: Pretty good. Took today off. <laughs> did you have any did you have any chocolate cake? Um, no chocolate cake. I made a whole bunch of strawberry smoothies.
0: Oh really? That sounds
2: yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> when uh, when my before my son went off to to college, we uh, perfected the uh, the smoothie operation, and uh, I'm still making them for myself. But um, it's not, it's just when he and I would experiment together. It does
0: sound like fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is something Bill touched on. You know, I. I have to caution Bill, Bill, some here. Um, you know, talking about vitamin D and zinc because zinc, zinc ionophores is a totally different thing. We're talking about, talking about something. Zinc ionophores actually bind to, to membranes and they and, and the actual have actual physiological effects. And they aren't an endogenous um, part of the of the um, uh, of the. Uh, they're not an endogenous. An endogenous um, what should I call it? Um, by by an endogenous biological product in our body. Um, zinc, zinc, on the other hand, you, you can take zinc supplements, you can take vitamin D supplements. Um, Americans, Bill, Americans, unless you are an alcoholic, in which case you might have vitamin B12 or vitamin, or folate deficiency, or you have a fat malabsorption uh, problem, in which case you might have deficiencies of vitamins uh, D E A and K. Um, but, you know, other than, other than those two biggies, um, but uh, Americans do not have a dietary deficiency problem, despite the huge, gigantic supplement industry there is in this country. Let me let me, should,
0: let me just, wait, 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 wait. Daniel, I What we have, you? what we have in Daniel, this then, country. Good, wait a minute. Good, Go Good, good.
2: What we have in this country is a dietary excess problem. We do not have deficiencies. You can go and you can and you can look at look at the the, the um. The ingredients and uh, and uh, chemical contents of most of the foods most of the foods you put by, and then go look at the um, the list of how much you need for each type of coenzyme. That is each type of vitamin, um, each type of amino acid. And I guarantee you, you are getting an excess of everything. Your intake in excess of everything. Oh, yeah,
0: but I think I think it's a person by person basis. I, I, I no it, no I, no. Wait a minute, Daniel. We, Daniel, we, can <laughs> I, Daniel, let me talk for a second. I went to the doctor about two, a year ago and I did a blood test and I had vitamin D deficiency. I work <laughs> out, five, wait a minute, I work out five days a week, I'm not obese, I eat I eat well, I eat regular meals, I get all my vitamins and minerals, but yet I still had this vitamin D deficiency. So what the doctor tell me, he said take 4,000, was, was it I use 4,000 of, 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 um, of vitamin D for about six months to a year, and I did, and it took my levels back up to normal. So I, wait, had, I, I had a deficiency.
2: Let me tell you something about your vitamin deficiency or vitamin D. Look up online. You can do this. Um, Look up online and try to find what an accepted vitamin D level is. This is something I've done long ago. Mm -hmm. And the, the wide, there is an extremely, and I'm talking orders of magnitude range for what is considered to be a normal vitamin D level. The, if your doctor told you he you had a vitamin D deficiency, he's full of crap well, but you, well, if, if you Daniel, had a vitamin Daniel, D deficiency mic, you would have had it all along and you would have had serious problems from it. The most notable problem you would have had would have been something like rickets, which is a, a, which you would have seen in your lower extremities, for example, bow leggedness is a common very common and you used to see it in America when we didn't have these dietary excesses. you used to see people with bow legs. And those bow legs were due but, from rickets. From but, vitamin but Daniel, D there's there's
0: certain level. I mean, you could be slightly below the level or very far below the level. I'm not saying the I'm le- very the
2: range, what I'm telling you is the range for vitamin D normality is extremely wide. I guarantee you, Mike, unless you have a fat malabsorption problem, in, and I'm sure you do not, you do not have a vitamin D problem. And I don't care what your doctor told you. <laughs> you don't have a vitamin D problem. Well, look. This is coming from this is coming from an MD. You know, just like Jay Bhattacharya. I'm an MD. No, I understand I, no, I, I, I understand. do research. I understand. Just like Jay, I don't practice. He does I But you
0: know, but you know, this, you've gone, but Dan, you've gone for blood tests, and you know that LabCorp or whatever it is, they have a range. In they their have a
2: range, right. and what I'm telling you is the range for for most vitamins, let alone vitamin D. Vitamin D is huge. The range of established normals is huge. It encompasses almost every conceivable level of vitamin D that you can think of because it is so freaking huge. It's a gigantic range. Trying to say that somebody is outside of normal on vitamin D is very, 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 very difficult. That is why you're actually, if your doctor told you that, I, I would say he's, 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 it's malpractice. He does not know what a normal vitamin D level is. Science doesn't know it. I guarantee it doesn't. I have looked into this frequently over the years and and I periodically will do this, especially you know, after five, five 10 years have gone by, I will look up and say, okay, has, has anyone done any better at narrowing down what the uh, coenzyme levels that we should have in our bud is? And no, that's why I challenge well, you. If, look, if you look, think I'm, there is but... an acceptable vitamin D level, I challenge you to go to PubMed and type in vitamin D um, level, and and you, I guarantee you, you will get a bunch of papers stating that there is an extremely wide range of these things. And although some labs might set a normal, that normal has a confidence limit to it, which is huge. So there is no way a doctor. Unless you have severe, severe vitamin D deficiency, and that's only, like I said, going to kind of put it if you have a fat malabsorption problem, because D, E, A, and K are fat-soluble vitamins. They get absorbed along with fats well, from from your small and, intestine.
0: And there might be some truth to this, because this is a reason why, specifically, drug um, uh, insurance companies, right, your, your, your medical insurance, your health insurance companies, a lot of them don't cover the vitamin D tests and that that could be probably one of the reasons why they don't, they cover. don't cover they don't cover a lot of right. vitamin tests
2: because in this country as i've said we do not suffer from deficiencies of any type we suffer from excesses of every type the only well, people that escape the only people that have deficiencies by and large in this country are alcoholics <clears throat> they have folate deficiencies and vitamin b12 deficiencies frequently and people with thiamine no absorption disease and they have, defici- can have deficiencies of vitamins e e d e a and K. Spells that's how it's easy uh, acronym for remembering that. Um, but other than that, that is not what America has. You can go, to, you can go to other countries that have actual uh, um, deficiencies in protein and a whole bunch of things, and it'll be very, very, very difficult to find coenzyme vitamin deficiencies in those people, even. Well,
0: and I think, but this is this is this is away from the point that I wanted to get. No, but, that. but I, there are. The, I, know, I want to make this about Mike's medical history. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, wait a minute. But there is a ranges. I understand there are ranges because I, I get a recent blood test done, and my doctor tells me, well, you have um, what is it called? I have low A one C. My A one C level is too low, and I looked up. You want your um, A one C level to be low? No, but it was low. The Daniel's below the the parameters of of LabCorp.
2: I don't know of I, I don't know of anyone really caring that the A1C yeah. level is well. Low. They
0: say it could, they could it could could be anemia. All that stuff can be part of having a low A1C, low blood sugar. No, you,
2: you, if you if you're concerned about anemia, you look at the blood cell types. Yeah. They, but, they look at under microscope and you can see what's called megaloblastic anemia. But, 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 but let, iron...
0: let, let me just make this point. So the doc, you look at
2: hemoglobin concentrations, you look at hematocrit. You don't look at hemoglobin I got you. I got
0: you. I got you. Let me just make this point. So I get the blood test and I look at it cuz I want the actual number. Now LabCorp says the nat, the normal A1C range is 4.8 to 5.6. My number is 4.5, which is obviously just very slightly point zero point three below their parameters and so i go oh that, that doesn't seem like so i go online and i'm looking up low a1c levels and almost every place i looked online you know like mayo institute they give a totally different range their range is 4.0 to 5.6
2: it differs from lab to lab labs set up their own standards right they set so set
0: so, standards
2: uh, across hospitals
0: right so it's like am i gonna here's the thing though but my doctor tells me it's a little low And that the only because he's used to his lab, she and and right. But but I'm saying is that I I did investigation online for five minutes and I found that other labs, other major medical facilities considered my range to be right in the middle of the normal range. Of course. So so I I kind of this is what this is what I talk about when I talk about doing your own research. Right. Doing, doing your own research about things before you because you know one of the things she has suggested my doctor is that I do glucose monitoring. I'm not gonna fucking do that. I'm not going to do regular glucose monitoring. I'm not going to do prick my finger because my A1C is 4.5 when, when, when many of these places say that's normal. So in other words, a lot of people though, they would just take their doctor's word. Right? Take that lab court word that is below where it should be, and let's, pick, let's prick our fingers for the next three months every day to see what our, <laughs> to see what our glucose level is. And it's like – but you do a little bit of research, five minutes of research, and you find that, no, it's, it's perfectly normal by many standards. So this is what I'm talking about when I talk about doing your own research. And doing your own research doesn't mean you hate doctors. It doesn't mean you don't trust doctors. It just means that you're, you're doing critical thinking when it comes to your own health. Right. Critical thinking. When they, and this is what we did. And this will get you back on track with vaccines. Many of us. We did our own research. And my doctor never told me to take the vaccine. But uh, but you, we do our own research. and says, do we need this? Do we, the individual, need this? Right. Is it is it going to help us? Is it is it, is it going to hurt us more than it helps us? Is it worth doing at all? Is it going to be neutral? Is it not going to have any effect? So you do all this critical thinking in your own research. And I found out that for me, I didn't want to take it. So, but this whole, this little thing here with the A1C level proves, and as you say, with the vitamin D, the vitamin D, it proves that we can do our own research instead of just simply taking a doctor's word for it.
2: Yeah, there's something that physicians do. Um, you wouldn't know this unless you've um, been around a lot of them, um, but they, some physicians have a style and some so some physicians will say, um, nope, n- n- this, this this person's uh, lab values are all within normal. They show no symptoms whatsoever. I'm not going to prescribe anything for them whatsoever. And then there's some physicians that will say, oh. You know, and despite the fact that there's actually no symptoms, and that's the only thing you should treat anyone based on. You should never treat them based on a lab value. They'll say, "Oh, yeah, but their their potassium's a little bit low." So, yeah, um, I'll just tell them to eat more bananas. Right. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, 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 and 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 then they'll do it with with, with whatever. If, if 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 you know some lab value is a little bit off, you know, they'll just and not, just just to make them. It's make, it's, it's to, in, in part, it's to build a relationship with the patient. And so you kind of go into the, the room into, when you're at the clinic and you go into the patient room and you're kind of feeling out the, the, you know, the, the relationship between you and the patient. And you want to est- find a way to establish trust. So if, you, if, you, if you're getting the vibe from this patient, that the patient wants you to do something, that the patient doesn't want to walk away from this visit empty handed, in, in any respect, then you tell them to do some little things, some little thing that you know will do no harm. So other physicians will be straightforward and will say, look, I know whatever's going on with you is bothering you, but there's nothing we can really do for you at this point. We're just going to have to patiently watch and wait and monitor what's going on with you until it, be, until it becomes more obvious, either through lab tests or through symptoms. That's the style of the, If I was practicing, that's the style that I would have taken. Um, I'm not the type that that um, likes to go with um, building the uh, doctor-patient relationship through telling people to do useless things, because then they kind of climb onto those useless those useless things, and they think they're extremely important in their life, and they build their lives so away around those useless things. And then when you try to withdraw those useless, things… I know things, they become obsessive.
0: Become it. obsessive. That's true. You're right. Absolutely, yeah. it becomes it becomes an OCD thing. But but she did say, and I'll let you go on to your point you wanted to make before. Yeah. I do want to. I do want to. Uh, you know, my doctor did say to me, if you don't want to do the glucose monitoring, just have a little. A lot, she said that blood low blood sugar often happens while you're sleeping. She said just just have a little late night, like have a little hundred calorie snack before you go to bed. Now, there's the thing you were talking about. Just give the patient something, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Did, we... did, did you go in with any signs of hypoglycemia? Were you having a dizziness? Were you having lightheadedness? Were you feeling like you were fainting? Were you feeling fatigued? I mean, did you have any symptoms whatsoever? Yes. Okay. Should I
0: go, should I go into my symptoms on, on the show? No, 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 you no, know. no, you don't
2: want to do it because I don't want to know if you really had a vaccine or not either. I mean, that's, that's nobody's business, but, I, I really would like to get back to my original point. That Go was just ahead. going to be a side thing. Yeah. So the side thing was that that I was trying to say was 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 this, and I really didn't want to take it long. On it. what I wanted to agree with Ben on, with with, with Bill on, um, or, or at least point out where he is heading in the right direction, is that one of the big reasons that. Um, pharmaceutical companies, and you can see some of this in the in the Twitter files that have been released over the last few weeks, one of the reasons that they um, were so hardcore on uh, pressing for Twitter and Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, for um, limiting information about things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin is that if there is an approved medication Then, and and, and mind you, the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine have already been FDA approved. And it's perfectly legitimate, and it happens all the time that physicians use um, various medications for what's called off-label uses. It's perfectly legal, it's perfectly legitimate, and and doctors often do it because they have, from within, within their own practice, built up experience that may have not yet been demonstrated by randomized control trials or observational trials, have built up anecdotal experience that tells them there's a good idea that this medication works, and it is very, very, very unlikely for it to do harm. So they, so Twitter um, was was petition was, petitioned, was um, what's, a, what's a nice word we should use for what the government has done so far with respect to trying to suppress information. Well, the nicest a, word a nice, nice is word? censoring. <laughs> nice word, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, yeah.
0: The, yeah. The, the edit, actually, edit, censoring editing. is probably the nicest editing. we can get yeah. at this point. Edit,
2: yes. Yeah. So, so, so they pressured uh, uh, social media companies to censor people um, with respect to things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Now, I'm not arguing for the effectiveness uh, effectiveness of either one of these medications when it comes to COVID treatment, but. The reason that they went, that pharmaceutical companies pressured so hard to get them to censor this is because you cannot get an emergency use authorization approved for a drug. If there are accepted treatments already out there, whether they're off-label or not, you cannot get something approved. So their goal was simply to defeat Mm-hmm. Ivermectin yes. and hydroxychloroquine as right. an accepted treatment for COVID, because if it wasn't, they couldn't have got that emergency use authorization. So when I think Bill was partially on the right track here when talking about uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and the uh, the, the pharmaceutical um, I- industry's uh, pushback on it, uh, and, but the reason was very simple, and it had to do with the emergency use authorization. But I
0: have one qu- I have one question about that though. In order for a drug to be considered, as you said, a useful drug to combat something, the FDA would have to label it that, right? The no. It would FDA... only,
2: only have to have been demonstrated in trials of some sort. And so whether it was originally FDA approved for that reason or not, it could be off-label used. And and in some and, and in trials. So they didn't want the trials to happen. They didn't want hydroxychloroquine trials to happen. They didn't want to trials to happen. And they wanted to suppress all um, okay. uh, all. How, we, how should we say this? All pushes from the public for for those trials I to happen. I got you.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say like people like myself saying or even yeah. Joe Rogan saying, you know, this is the thing that could work. Isn't yeah, going to so, yeah. make isn't going to be isn't going to. Yeah.
2: There was nothing wrong with people saying, hey, you know, I'm hearing a lot about this. Um, they're 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 right. very safe drugs. I'm hearing that they do have uh, uh, antiviral effects. Um, is there anything to this? And and if the uh, pharmaceutical or I shouldn't say that, but if if the uh, medical science uh, industry said, well, yeah, that might be worth looking into, they should have been allowed to look into it. Right. But they weren't. But they weren't. Right. And their big reason for it is as as stated. Is, is that they simply weren't going to get that uh, emergency youth authorization if there was something out there that could already be treated. And so what did we get instead? We got the world's shittiest vaccine. That's
0: what we got. That's yeah. that's and, and we learn every day how how shitty it really is. It gets shittier by yeah. the day. Yeah. It really does get shittier. By and
2: there's, there's one last point I want to make.
0: make.
2: Yeah. yeah, one last yeah. point I want to make, because I had some time today because I took um, today off. I was out for a long walk and I was listening to a um, – Hey, Twitter spaces got uh, called it says i uh, got you know, six hundred people in there. Uh, Aaron Cariotti was in there, Dr. Carriotti and um um oh I'm trying to forget it I'm forgetting his name he, he's a, a journalist that um, that puts on a lot of these spaces um, he's really up on a lot of the aspects of what has has happened over the last three years when, when it comes to um, both understanding the biology and immunology of, of everything infectious diseases as well as the politics and the industry I'm trying to remember his name I'm spacing on it right now anyway. Um, he was one, one of the people that was putting on this uh, spaces on Twitter and there's a lot of discussion. And then there was some people on the cons and the cons sides kind of disagreeing with them on things. One thing that, um, one of the speakers keep, kept bringing it up and I hear it from a lot of people when walking around talking to people in daily life is that, yeah, yeah, the vaccines don't prevent transmission, don't prevent infection. And maybe, uh, yeah, maybe they're causing more, uh, adverse effects than we had like but they they still save lots of lives bullshit and no, there's no and there's no
0: proof of that daniel you know that i know
2: there's no proof yeah. of this. there's, there's <laughs> no there's no randomized control of trials of of course no. that shows that there's no observational trials that anyone can believe here's yeah. the one thing that i want everyone to know that's listening now and could pass on to people and it's something we talked about b- before i think by the time these vaccines so this is the, qu- the question is, is it possible that these vaccines could could have saved lots of lives? Here is the, the most ironclad reason when you talk to somebody that believes it is so, the most ironclad reason that is very unlikely that it saved many lives at all, and it's this. We have good estimates of what the infection fatality rate is. Those infection fatality rate um, numbers that we have – that have come mostly from giant out of Stanford were somewhere in the 0.002 to 0.003 range. And we also know from studies on T cell reactivity that that, that number for, for the infection fatality rate is likely to be a big overestimate by a factor of at least two, possibly three. And we know this because... That the studies of T cell reactivity have shown that people with negative serology tests still have strong specific to the SARS-CoV-2 virus T cell reactivity. Yeah. So, yeah. so we know that, there, that, that that denominator in the infection fatality rate is actually bigger than the one Ioannidis used. But Ioannidis had to stick to the CDC numbers for deaths. And he had to stick to the best thing he had because T cell reactivities are much harder to do. So he stuck with serology. So that point zero zero two to zero zero three range or, or so is let's start with the point zero zero two. We, we could take it would be legitimate to half the point zero zero three down to point zero zero one five because we I told you about T cell reactivity. But a good conservative estimate for what the IFR is 0.002. At the time when 30% of our population had received at least one dose of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccination from whichever vaccine, at the time when 30% had been vaccinated, there was approximately 600,000 people said to have died from COVID in the United States. Divide that number by 0.002, and you get an estimate of the number of people that have been infected. That number is 300 million that is 90% of the population. Yeah. That, so it's impossible. So it, it simply does not admit the possibility of anybody of significant numbers having been saved from these vaccines, because almost our entire population, essentially our entire population at that point was taking into account T cell reactivities, which are, you know, reflecting serology, taking into account that this IFR is likely an overestimate at that time. Essentially, on top of population, it already had the infection. It, they had a natural immunity already, which is superior. We know this. We know it for every vaccine. Yes, but of the virus We the know. We know. We
0: know. So- and,
2: and so. It is simply impossible for the vaccine to have made much of a difference when it comes to life saved. You and I have you and I have summarized. We have so gone well. over this before. Yeah, no, this but, is something but, that I, I I want your listeners, whether they're listening live or in the future, this is what I would really like them to take away from from the moment that I have here tonight is is that fight back, push back when you hear people talk about this vaccine saving lives. It is very right. unlikely that it has saved many at all.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Okay, that's my high point, and I'm signing yeah, off. Thank you. Thanks for, the, thanks for the call. No, of course. It, it's not, we've talked about this before. Nothing they have done has changed the trajectory of this virus. Nothing they have done over the last three years has changed the trajectory, the arc of this virus, whether it's lockdowns, masking, vaccines, vaccine mandates, uh, boosters, anything. Nothing has changed the trajectory of the vaccine. The only thing that, of, of the virus, the only thing that might change the trajectory is natural immunity, which as Daniel has already expressed, over 90% of the people in this country have already had COVID, and the weakening, the natural weakening that natural immunity does to a virus, the, the variants that get weaker and weaker and weaker. So, that's that's it. It's all nature. It's all nature, which is why, as many of us were saying from day one, but we were censored and banned and eliminated and the Fauci mafia destroyed us, is that if the government had done nothing and just let this thing take its course, let this thing go through everybody, there would have been much less harm. And we would have been over this earlier. There would not have been children who were five years old who who were or two, reading like they're two years old. Right. There will not be people who are graduating Uh, high school at 20 instead of 18 in the future because they're two years behind. There will not be people who um, couldn't see their relatives and they were in the hospital, couldn't see their parents in nursing homes. There would not be people who committed suicide, children, teenagers who committed and contemplated suicide because they couldn't see their friends, because they couldn't go to school, so on and so forth. So on and so forth, people getting sick and dying from the vaccines with each subsequent jab, more deaths and injuries. None of this would have happened. None of this would have happened if the fucking government, big government, had kept their hands out of our business. Of course, that includes big pharma. They are part of big government. They're in the pockets of big government. As as I just read from Lee Fang's article, all of the different big pharma lobbyist groups, right? All of the bio and firma and all these big lobbyist groups for big pharma, they all got their money from this. They all got richer and wealthier from this, while everyone else suffered. And who suffered the most, by the way? The liberals like to play virtue signaler, the, liberal, the little liberal virtue signalers. Who suffered the most? Black people and brown people the ones who usually suffer the most from left-wing policies as the virtue signal how much they love these people, which is going to take us to my next topic, which I want to cover before I end the show. I think this is important. Did anyone see the, the Martin Luther King quote-unquote statue? Has anyone seen the Martin Luther King statue? How awful that is? It looked like different things to different people. To me, it looks like Uh, How do you say? Uh, BBC. You know what a BBC is? I'm not talking about the uh, the broadcasting network in Britain. That's what it looks like to me. It's the most revolting thing. Some people think it looks like a a synthetic version of that, a dildo. uh, This is the worst statue I've ever seen. This is the most grotesque-looking statue I've ever seen since the Lucy statue. Remember that statue of Lucille Ball? That was awful. They, they destroyed it. They made a new one. Well, they need to destroy this and make a new one or not make another one at all. But this really shows. This is all part, why do we need, this is all part of this woke virtue signaling. Why do we need a new Martin Luther King statue now? Are there not enough Martin Luther King statues? But in this it, 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 intense environment of wokeness and virtue signaling, we have to show how virtuous we, we are, they want to make a statue of Martin Luther King and his wife embracing. And this is what they come up with. And it's absolutely grotesque. It's disgusting. So on top of that, on this Martin Luther King Day, as we wrap up Martin Luther King Day, Martin Luther King Weekend, listen to this one. Listen to this one. Sit down. Sit down. Uh, Get out your digitalis if you need it. San Francisco committee, a committee in this shithole I live in, in this absolute shithole. I want you to envision people who, who don't live here or maybe haven't been here in a while. When you want to think about San Francisco, think about the A good good visualization is the toilet and train spotting. You know the toilet and train spotting? That's what San Francisco is right now. San Francisco – a a committee, a San Francisco committee, whatever that is, proposes – listen to this – a $5 million – $5 million to longtime black residents as reparations for systemic oppression. This was written about in the Washington Examiner today. A San Francisco committee – It's proposing giving $5 million, opportunities for tax credits, and debt forgiveness to all longtime black residents as part of reparation efforts for decades of racism and systemic oppression. The San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee released a 60-page draft detailing reparations plans and requirements that people have to meet in order to receive monetary compensation. The goal of the committee is to address... The public policies explicitly created to subjugate black people in San Francisco, by the way, there are about 10 of them. The last I saw, the population of African Americans in San Francisco was 3%, 3%, uh, by upholding and expanding the intent and legacy of chattel slavery. While neither San Francisco nor California formally adopted an institution of chattel slavery, The tenets of segregation, white supremacy and systemic repression and exclusion of black people were codified through legal and extra legal actions, social codes and judicial enforcement, the draft states. Chattel slavery, the most common form of slavery, allowed people to be bought, sold and owned forever. To receive this one-time $5 million payment, a person must must have identified as black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years, And be 18 or older. Then residents must meet at least two criteria which include but are not limited to being born in San Francisco between 1940 and 1966 and 1996 and personally or the direct descendant of someone incarcerated by the failed war on drugs. Residents can also be eligible if they are descendants of someone enslaved through chattel slavery before 1865. A lump sum payment will compensate the affected population for the decades of harms that they have experienced and will adjust the economic and opportunity losses that black San Franciscans have endured collectively as a result of both intentional decisions and unintended harms perpetrated by city policy, according to the draft. The draft also proposes that the city supplement lower-income recipients' income to reflect the area's median income, about $97,000 annually, for at least 250 years. It also looks to finance a comprehensive debt forgiveness program and introduce tax credits for payroll tax, business tax, and property tax, among others. Racial disparities across all metrics have led to a significant racial wealth gap in the city of San Francisco. By elevating income to match AMI, black people can better afford housing and achieve a better quality of life. The committee's plans target areas such as education, homeownership, business ownership, and entrepreneurship in the name of being equitable. Many of the proposals ask the city to acknowledge the harm done to black people and to take steps to prevent future harms in education. The draft seeks to retain and support more black educators as well as create pathways for black students to pursue both traditional and non-traditional educational opportunities. While the city's slavery era disclosure ordinance already includes a fund for remedying economic and educational conditions, the draft claims it is not making as much of an impact as it appears. And this plan would take things, oh, a step further. Contributions are voluntary to date. There have been zero contributions to this fund, the draft states. The ordinance would have much more of an impact if contributions were mandatory. In June, the committee will submit its final plan to Mayor London Breed, the San Francisco Board of Advisors, Supervisors, and the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. <clears throat> the Washington Examiner reached out to the committee, Board of Supervisors, President Aaron Peskin, and Mayor London Breed for a comment. Yeah, I, I see your comment, Lance, says 5%. Well, I've, I've seen 3%, but as you say, even 5% is incredibly low. So this is of course absolute insane left-wing bullshit this is the total clown car insanity off the wall sickness of the left that they would come up with something like this first of all it's unconstitutional it's unconstitutional secondly because this is what you call uh, this is un- this is not this is unconstitutional because this is once again this would be like saying let's give white people five million dollars if I, if I said we're gonna give white people Five million dollars. Believe me, that would be challenged in the court and the Supreme Court is unconstitutional. So giving any one racial group the money and not the others is, of course, unconstitutional. I wouldn't pass muster. It wouldn't. This is just more incredible, stupid virtue signaling. Virtue signaling. I remember who they're virtue signaling to. I just said three percent black population. Lance looked up five percent. Let's say four percent. So who are they virtue signaling to? You say they're virtue signaling. They want to get votes. It's obviously not the blacks. It's not the black people. In fact, I bet you could talk to many black people and they'll think this is absolutely disgusting and horrible. It's the white liberals. It's the white liberals. It's the white liberal elitists in San Francisco that they're virtue signaling to. It's their vote they're trying to get by showing how equitable they are. How equitable! Even though we know no one right, no one that exists now has any real connection to slavery. Has not? No one that exists now has any has been held back by slavery. The people that exist now weren't even held back by the civil rights issues of the 50s and 60s. Even the civil rights violations of the 50s and 60s have nothing to do with most of the people who are living in San Francisco in the year 2023. Let alone chattel slavery. That's how insane this is. That's how absurd this is. Plus, it's idiotic because most of the people in San Francisco who are poor, who are homeless, are white. Like I said, the black population is incredibly low here in the single digits, 5% or lower. How about those people? How about the white people, the Asian people, the Latinos in this city who are poor and homeless because it's so fucking expensive to live here? It's not just African-Americans in this city that don't have money. It's everybody across the board. Five million dollars. So you're you're making a black, you're making an African-American rich. You're giving one person five million. They become a multimillionaire, wealthy, rich overnight. As reparations because of slavery. Three overnight multimillionaires giving them $5 million each you talk about incredible clown car insanity and once again you will find many black people who say this is not, we don't want this this is, this is what the government wants, they want people especially minorities, to be beholden to them to need them, to say you're worthless without us You cannot make anything of yourself. You can't make anything of yourself because of what your great-great-great-grandfather, your great-great-great-great-grandmother had to experience. That's holding you down from making something of yourself in the year 2023. You need us because you're worthless without the government. That's why you won't see it on CNN. You won't see it on MSNBC. But if you watch Fox News, you'll see plenty of black people, regular citizens and politicians, everyone saying, we don't want this. This is not what we want to tell – this is not what we want to pass down now to our children, that you need the government, that you're worthless because of something that happened 150, 200 years ago, that you need the government. And they add the extra wokeness to it, the extra bat-crap crazy wokeness to it by saying, oh, as long as you identified as African-American over the last decade identified as African-American, like if you identified as male, if you identified as female, if you identified as one of the 96 genders, all you have to do is identify. I feel like I've been held back for the last decade. I feel like I've been enslaved by the last decade. So I'm going to identify as African-American. To get that 5000000 million, I'm going to identify as African-American because you say all I got to do is identify. I don't got to prove I'm African-American. I can just identify as it. That's the incredible sick wokeness. These people are so fucking sick. They make me ill. They really do. I don't know. Uh, Lance, what's up? Is it means-tested? I don't I, – I, it doesn't seem to be means-tested.
3: You just got to identify black. All right, First of all Yeah, it's batshit crazy Yeah, of course, absolutely Um, Now At this time 3.30, I just did a long music show Everybody like, do more, do more because You know, I got a ec- Eclectic Taste and all that I, I don't want to get to a debate But just to present this as a sidelight Which is, I think, interesting but about because I, 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 I you know I'm in favor of reparation, but I was at the position being a lefty. I thought to myself, I'd sign the bill if I was a governor, president, and it was reparations bill. I'd sign it, but I couldn't embrace it and defend it really robustly. I I couldn't until recently. But anyway, this is batshit crazy. Even if you think reparations are a good idea, this is batshit crazy. But the example I would give is the Scalia court, very conservative, but. Very big on property rights. At least they used to be consistent on some stuff. And there were treaties, Indian treaties, that said forever and ever. Uh-uh, just 30 seconds. Uh, that said forever and ever. The Iroquois, of course, we know how sophisticated they were. They signed treaties that were for 200 years. They started filing lawsuits on these treaties. They were up. They were legit written contracts. They had printed copies of it, you know. Uh, in the archive and everywhere else, or a couple places. Anyway, uh, from the Articles of Confederation, which up until 1789, remember we had a government, even though it wasn't the uh, overall arching government, it was Great Britain, until the, we formed ours in, in 19, in, uh, you know, eight, in 1787, before they had Articles of Confederation. They said, no, that's not the official government until the Constitution. Okay, they didn't win those. But 1787, 89, they started winning lawsuits 200 years later because the leases were up. the t- uh, the Oneidas owned, because of a lawsuit, the town of Salamanca. They said, "Look, we're not going to move y'all out and take it over. And move in, you know, Oneidas in. Pay us ten thousand a year. That's all." They they made it a symbolic thing where we own the town, but we're not going to kick everybody out. And they won a lot of them since then. And that's one example of reparations that can actually be traced back that far. And again, ten more seconds. When you did the, when they did the urban renewal and they destroyed a neighborhood, let's say it was 70% black, 30% white, the whites could go somewhere else and pick up the pieces if they happened to be caught up in that. The blacks were put in project with quote unquote free or cheap rent, but no equity for generations. So that's another thing that's traceable with real deeds. And it was a real harm done that blacks could not recover from the way white people could because of the redlining and all the rest of it, where one or two black families, they let you one, they literally would say, one black family, okay. If you have two in the whole zone, redlined, you know, like zip code kind of thing, or smaller than that, but a neighborhood, you couldn't allow two. White or black would nobody would get insurance, and so that caused a lot of white flight, et cetera. But so, uh,
0: will you finished, Lance? That was very quick.
3: Um,
0: this just it's total insanity. It's totally it's it's just it's just insanity. To think that giving someone five million dollars, so does that does that make them equal to their peers? If you're giving someone five million dollars in 2023, and that makes them equal to their white peers in San Francisco, it makes it that 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 that's equality. That's creating equality. It's absurd.
3: Yeah. Absurd. Yeah. Right. Again, again, even what I'm saying Mike, right? How many of those five percent came from slavery? If you wanted to talk about Asians. Seriously, because they built the railroads out west. So, frankly, the real rich Asians, right? They're more successful. Not the ones that recently came over, but the the Asians that have been in uh, the West Coast were sent for. Sanford, and even in Flagstaff, Arizona, in the mountain part of uh, Arizona, the railroads came through there, and it was one of the finishing points. I'm like, why are all these Chinese restaurants in this tiny small town? And they explain railroad. So they were more like coolies or oppressed slaves. Blacks in San Francisco, the ones that are whatever that five percent is. They don't come from slaves. I'm almost positive, probably. Of it's
0: 23. It's absolutely insane. It's 2023. It's 2023. Okay. Well, even, if, even if
3: you don't, even if you Lance. count the fact that they might have been slaved, but these people weren't even—they weren't Lance. even former slaves. Lance, Lance,
0: the virtue signaling that is done to appeal to the white liberal. It is virtue signaling that is done. This would actually, even if you actually were going to apply this, and it's never going to happen because it's not constitutional. But even if you were going to apply this, it would, it would, it would, it would uh, apply to so few people in this city. <laughs> it would apply to so few people because, like I said, you look at the Let's say four percent. You'll say we'll take my three percent, your five percent, four percent black population here, then you have all those check marks you have to check off, right, that I just read about. So that's going to eliminate a bunch of people already within the 4%. It's going to, it's, all it's done is something to once again, show how virtuous you are to the white liberal, who's going to say, oh, what a great idea. I'm so proud of my city. I'm so proud of my open-minded woke city. That's why they're doing it. That's why they're doing it. They're not doing it to help anybody. They're not doing it to help anybody. And we know, as we know from COVID, when the government gives you money, they are hurting you because then you don't want your work anymore. And then the money runs out and you got no job and you're lazy. That's the problem. People rely on the government. They end up in a shithole. They end up in a world of shit when you, when you, when you have to rely on big government. That's the problem, but that's what they want. It gives them power that you need them, power that you need big government. But there are plenty of black people, once again, you won't see them on most legacy media channels, but you see them on Fox News who say, I made it. I'm black and I made it. So I'm proof that you can make it. If I made it, why can't other blacks make it? It's total bullshit. It's total 100% bullshit. And it's just more social welfare. It's more social welfare and virtue signaling. And it's all done to keep black people down. It keeps black people down, and it makes white liberals feel better about themselves. Black people down, white liberals feel better about themselves. Lance, did you want to say something else?
3: I'll give you the last word for the show, if you want. If not, no, man, it's just crazy. That's all it is. Yeah. That's just all it is is the And you know what's sad? And again, not again, not debate for or against reparations, but even people that are for it, they look at this and they say, see, look at how stupid this reparations thing is. You know, so, I mean, it's like, so even if people have a legitimate argument somewhere else, this ain't it. And it's going to make the whole thing look ridiculous. You got it.
0: You got it. Thanks, Lance. I appreciate it. Of course. All right. Um, Let's see here. Where are we? Okay. All right. So I think we're going to wrap it up uh, for the day. I want to remind everyone is the name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. And this show airs Monday night through Friday night. Five nights a week. 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern Time. So be sure to be right back here tomorrow night. Um, and my name is Mike Kachopoli And I want to once again remind you that your influence counts. Use it.